You're listening to episode 42 of Attention Place right here on the Talking Stuff Network. We are recording this on 26th of May 2019. And boy, do we have a big show for you today, what with uh, such a huge event happening over the past week and uh, which is still being covered incessantly across all media. I'm, of course, talking about Mithun Chakraborty's youngest son, Namashi Chakraborty, making his film debut soon. Uh, and I'm sure you're going to you're going to get the most nuanced coverage of this big event whenever it happens right here on this podcast, if you're around till then. But uh, till then, let us also talk about some other smaller news that happened this week. Uh, apparently, there was an election and some folks won big while others didn't. And of course, we've got to to tell us more about it. We've got Arnab Ray. Hey, Arnab, uh, tough question to start you off with. Should Kamal Nath PC and other Congress leaders, should they have acted so selfishly while their selfless leader was uh, fighting the good fight? Yeah, I just can, cannot believe how they could put the, put the benefit of their children above the benefit of the party. I mean, this is something which we've never seen Congress do. I mean, their leadership has always been, it's never been about who's related to who. It's always been about merit. So I'm a sh- so shocked and I'm glad that Rahul Gandhi, who, again, became the president of Congress purely on merit and purely because of his stellar record of having won them elections, that it would take him to point out that, again, that the, that the main problem of Congress is is hereditary politics or that they have to carry, let's say, I, that they have to carry uh, the sons of politicians. I mean, it's coming from Rahul Gandhi. I think he is absolutely the right person to say, to, to say this. That's definitely what I expected him to say right after losing these elections again. But again, I just don't want to make this podcast purely about Rahul Gandhi. I mean, Rahul Gandhi is a weak target, honestly. I mean, you can uh, you can keep on talking about him and making fun of him, but ultimately, there's there's really there's a lot to say, but there's really little to take away from it. So, without without further ado, let's just jump into the things that I wanted to talk about today, uh, based on the results of the elections. So, first of all, I would like to, before I get to the national stage, I would like to talk about Bengal elections because of the rather surprising, at least I was very surprised. And those of you who listen to this podcast regularly would remember that I'd said that this would not happen. So I was wrong. I I was, uh, I knew that BJP would perhaps get a little bit more seats than they have gotten, which was almost next to none. Uh, but I did not think that they would get 19, which is, I think, what they got. So this is a huge, huge. Uh, I would say this is the this is the most interesting thing about this election because the BJP has never had a presence in Bengal, never, and there are structural reasons why it has never had a, a presence in Bengal. And again, we have discussed this before. Uh, why uh, BJP has never had a stronghold in in Bengal? It's because uh, BJP has always been seen as a party of uh, the cow belt of the north and it is and and this again we'll we'll revisit this topic again and again through this podcast the story the story part that it's often it's not the facts it's the story that's most important and the story has always been that that this is a vegetarian hindi imperialism against the fish eating meat eating uh bengaliness and that 
this that their culture of ram and ram mandir and temples you know okay bengalis are not that at least at least in comparison to other pe- people in other parts of india aren't that focused on temples there are not a lot of temples in in bengal i mean there are a few uh, quite a few but not as much as there are in other parts of of india so you know the whole notion of a temple the whole notion of the way religion is packaged as part of bjp was considered and i still consider uh it's it's not i wouldn't say antithetical again after 2119 i can't say that but it, it it's kind of uh it's not been in sync with uh the bengali experience of hinduism which is strongly filtered through the lens of uh, of 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 the bengali identity which is not non vegetarian which is bengali not hindi and which which is i would say is pretty much a not of everything that at least the bjp comes across as whether that's so again uh, the reason why perhaps i i did not read this was i don't stay there anymore so i do not see what's happening right now so i don't see the immediacy so much of my analysis of bengal is colored by what i have seen it to be before so that is that unfortunately is a bias uh to now do a post facto analysis i would say that first of all I'll, if you just look at the way the seats are distributed bjp did not win in calcutta so i wasn't totally wrong because calcutta really is the bastion of this uh, let's call it bengali parochial culture it, it, it didn't it cannot make i would still say it cannot make inroads into calcutta it it did find a lot of uh, it did find a lot of takers bjp found a lot of takers on the western side uh, the western side of bengal which is close to the bihar border one of the reasons for that and this again i have mentioned before when i was when i was saying that what has led to the surge of bjp was that uh bengal is not as homogeneously bengali as it used to be let's say in the 90s or in the 80s there has been a massive influx of biharis and upites across the border and obviously since they come from the west they are also more concentrated in the west uh, there is a strong contingent now in in bengal and there've always been a, a lot of uh, non bengalis in 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 calcutta and bengal but their numbers have steadily increased and uh one way as i'd like to say you you can you can see their influences the way the language in bengali movies have changed in the 80s and 90s even when crap movies were made everybody sp- spoke in bengali in a non accented bengali now there's a bizarre bizarre accented bengali with uh, use of hindi words interspersed throughout so they they will say uh you know bawal you know bawal is again is 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 is, 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 is i wouldn't hear that word in uh, in in a bengali movie from the 90s even the worst bengali movie possible you know full to time pass i mean the, the, this this language is not bengali and commercial cinema represents it has to because it is market entertainment it has to represent the language of those that are its target audience and so that should tell you something about the changing let's say demographic of bengal that bengali is not as pure as it used to be which means that bengali parochialism also has kind of been infiltrated by a more cosm hesitate to use the word cosmopolitan but a more north indian identity 
and uh, this this election is perhaps the proof of of how how ossified that has become uh so again i i did not anticipate the scale of this but i did know that this was going on even even clueless me i i knew that this was going on that we were being gradually hindiized now this is a cause of great resentment among kolkata bengalis uh this is really what is perhaps the only thing that drives trinamool is this bengali parochialism and as bjp has sought to make inroads mamata banerji has gone back to this again and again as a way of asserting a kind of identity which would take hindu bengalis away from the hindu identity to the bengali identity she tried it with mixed success i would say perhaps with greater success in calcutta than in the districts that where bjp has won but here is uh, let's let's talk about something which we i haven't talked about because perhaps i didn't think of it like this but now as i have started thinking as to why could this have happened there's this one thing that i perhaps missed is that at trinamool congress when it came up when when mamata banerji first became ascendant during the last days of buddhadev bhattacharya's rule one of the things that she did was she basically appropriated the cpm i've said this before a lot of people also have said this that you know the trinamool congress is now the communist party of india under a new name and you know under, under a totally new name who are ironically absolutely opposed to a common you know the cpm you know mamata banerji hates the cpm like anything before the bjp of course she was they were her enemy number one but she absolutely adopts everything that they did so she is their biggest fan girl possible uh as i said before also that you know she is basically jo- the next jyoti basu part 2 now the difference with cpm uh, old and trinamool is that ultimately even after everything there was a unifying ideology behind the communist party of india that was marxism trinamool congress unfortunately does not have any kind of ideology except some valid form of bengali nationalism and utmost devotion to didi as the supreme leader other than that there is really nothing that unites the tmc so the problem with this is that as tmc's rule has strengthened and their uh, their stranglehold over the rural areas of bengal it has become it's become more rigid that they have started they had started squeezing out all opposition so the subsections of the cpm were absorbed into the trinamool congress and other and some of the cpm kept on fighting but they found themselves just being killed by trinamool congress that the violence and again that that violence is purely a prerogative of the hindu right is again one of the biggest lies that 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 that, that is forwarded by the liberal media in india it's not it is india by and large is an extremely violent country so uh, the the problem with the problem with mamata banerjee's opposition and this opposition was first of all the legacy cpm and then as the party grew it became inside trinamool congress also so if you have to remember mukul roy was inside the trinamool congress himself so the problem was without the absence of any kind of ideology trinamool congress basically they looted whatever they can they took whatever they can and whoever was powerful just took everything leaving so little for everybody else unlike the cpm which was very disciplined in these things they took but they took in a you know in in a very disciplined way where you took based on your position in the pyramid but everybody knew even those at the higher level knew that you had to let things trickle down trinamool congress does not have that discipline 
So what has happened is there's not only do they have an opposition which has found itself in, increasingly intimidated and silenced through intimidation. It's not that the opposition doesn't exist. It's just they're shit scared. There have been panchayat elections where there have been no opposition to see to Trinamool. Nobody just people are so scared for their lives they don't even go and go to the election office and say I want to oppose the Trinamool Congress. This is the level of fear that they've had, and this level of fear is not only for those who are you know, opponents of Trinamool Congress, whether it be the Congress at the CPM or whatever was left of it, but also within the Trinamool Congress, there were there were people who were just not getting their share of the pie or felt they were not getting what they were owed. But they were also too scared because they know what would happen if they leave the party. They know what would happen if they raise their voice. So even though Trinamool Congress was winning, they were winning not because they were doing a great job, but because they had successfully intimidated their opposition both outside and inside the party. Now, what Amit Shah has done is that he has taken the fear out of this. So by militarizing the opposition, he militarized it. So now you had processions of people with swords walking and shouting Jai Sri Ram. So this was this was not so much about people suddenly discovering it. Some of it was, of course, because there were many of them are not Bengalis, but it's also about the fact that they are you when you are in an atmosphere of extreme fear. If somebody comes and tells you, "Look, Narendra Modi is at the center. We guys, we got your back." Okay. Now, it, often it's the case they don't have their back. It's also a false promise. There have been multiple BJP karyakartas who have been killed, including people found hanging from trees. So it was not that it was entirely true. But again, as I said, it's all about the story. It's it's not necessarily backed by fact. All that Amit Shah had to do and all Modi had to do was basically convey to this opposition that had built up, the silent opposition in the rural areas that had built up, that, look, we've got your back. So he basically militarized that opposition which was lying there. And that opposition came out this election. So they came out in this election in a way that Mamata Banerjee, I guess, you know, was clueless about because the, the the amount of fear that she has unleashed on Bengal with with the help of the sympathetic police and the administration. The problem with that is if somebody removes the fear, the opposition can come out really, really quick. It's like somebody took, it's like the graduate student way of cleaning their dorm rooms. <laughs> it's like when the building coordinator comes, just shove everything under the bed. Okay, so it looks like everything is clean. Or move the table right, you know, in front of the place, right on top of the place where somebody has vomited. Okay, so just do that and and the house looks clean. That's exactly what has happened to Bengal. And what what BJP has done is they have just basically shifted the furniture. They shifted the furniture and people and the insects and the smell have all come out. And that's what has stunned uh, Mamata Banerjee. You know, she's she's still in a state of shock. Unlike Rahul Gandhi, who I think is at least at this point of time, if there's one thing that he's good at, it's losing. Because he's lost for the last 15 years. Mamata Banerjee is not used to losing. I mean, she used to lose at one point of time, but it's been years that she's lost like this. And uh, the reaction to this, which was surprising, I don't know if you followed this story, uh, but today she came up, I mean, there was a video of her saying that yeah, sure, I'm going to appease uh, Muslims. Absolutely, I'm going to appease Muslims. I'm going to, you know, why shouldn't I? They voted for me. 
So uh, what she said was, "Jay Guru." Remind me again uh, how this is different from the Maneka Gandhi comment. No, there is none. So that this again, this is not the first time that Trinamool, uh, Trinamool members, Trinamool Congress leadership has 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 said this. A long time ago, there was a video from. Uh, it was a video. There was a you know election speech of Shatabdi Roy, who was again one of the. Bengali movie stars who were Trinamool MPs. I don't know if she still is. I think she didn't get it. I'm not sure as to what her status is because I think she has been replaced by a new generation of uh, Tolliganj. We call them Tolliganj too. Uh, Tolliganj heroines. So both of them won, by the way, in in Calcutta. But the you know she, she was on a video, not Mamata Banerjee, but the Shatabdi Roy saying, "Look, those of you who vote for me, I will obviously work for them." and that's pretty obvious those of you who don't vote for me i'm obviously not going to work for you so this is the de- definition of democracy in bengal it has been it has been accepted uh, unlike modi you know telegraph will not make a huge hue and cry about this this is not fascism actually as per the definition of telegraph and the other bengali bhadraluk who 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 run who run the media business in 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 bengal so this is perfectly par for the course so what mamata banji said shouldn't be shocking but that she said it now where she basically saying the, the exact words were je goru dud da ta latio kete which which means that the cow and again it's it's ironic that she brings up a cow metaphor uh, that you know the, the the cow which gives the milk you have to take its kicks also so by saying this okay what mamata banerjee is basically saying that hindus did not stand behind her effectively that's the only way i can interpret it and the muslims did which they did so i'll obviously i will you know stand by them i mean if I, you know if i have to go and attend their functions if i'll do it they vote for me what do you expect me to do so I, first of all i think this is the best i can say about this is is at least honest so um but what she's done again i think she's absolutely this is not what she should have been saying from a purely strategic point of view because what she just now did was she effectively said exactly the thing which modi and amit shah wanted her to say she just made their job monstrously easy and i'm just and i wonder if this is the beginning of the end for her if this goes on if she decides that that the lesson that she will take from this is to further is to further engage in more aggressive appeasement i have argued in this podcast before that mamata banerjee is not as is as is repeatedly told by amit shah and modi anti hindu she is not she is not at all i will still say she isn't she is pro appeasement if you bring a sufficient number of votes you will appease you it doesn't matter what you believe in you can believe in in the night king for all she cares okay she she doesn't care <laughs> what you believe in she will make a statue for the night king in chorongi if necessary if you bring her a sufficient number of votes she really secular in that respect that she has absolutely there's really nothing she believes in zilch however what has come out of this election the lesson that she has learned is that she believes that sections of the bengali population hindus have at least in some places have betrayed her 
and even despite what she has done for them and she has i mean it's it's wrong to say that mamata banerji has stopped durga puja she hasn't that's absolutely bullocks you know there's more durga pujas in calcutta than there's ever been and nobody can hope to win a single vote in bengal by stopping durga puja this makes no sense okay but so for mamata banerji she hasn't i don't think that she she is that she has a particular communal agenda i would never say that about her i don't think she has a communal agenda what what she does understand though and that is one of her biggest feelings is that she is unable because she is unfortunately a fascist at heart is that she is unable to see that somebody could disagree with her and still not be a bad person she is absolutely unable so to use a word very popular in india she is 100% intolerant and what what she has done is that now she has shown her hand she's saying well this group did not stand by me okay that has been noticed now again this whether it has been noticed or not she should have kept it to herself by saying this she has definitely she has definitely this you know looking at this stuff this has been shared whatsapp everywhere people are saying look we told you so and i would still say that this doesn't necessarily mean that she is intrinsically against hindus that's absolutely not true again i'll say but it's just that she believes that she has been betrayed and that she's looking betrayed as in somebody didn't vote for her ergo they betrayed her um and that she's looking for somebody to victimize because of this i mean somebody has to pay in her mind for doing this to her and it's very sure and it's she's giving away her hand by saying these things i think it's i think it's important for those in trinamool congress with a level head uh, and who has the influence to tell mamata banerji to not say these things for all for the very few five people here on my podcast who listen to me who who support congress or who support uh a party other than bjp i'm 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 being facetious here it's very important that if you want to defeat narendra modi a congress is a gone case regional parties are still they they still aren't that they they still the best leaders that they have that we have against modi are regional leaders it's not going to come from the congress i think that's pretty obvious as long as this one gandhi family has holds that congress in its iron vice it's not going to happen so it's very important that people like mamata banerji don't lose their credibility and it it is important it is contingent upon those if you believe that narendra modi is a disaster as indian prime minister and needs to be removed well it is then contingent upon the opposition it's contingent of the opposition to behave responsibly and not to make his job easier i mean rahul gandhi definitely is bjp's biggest trump card and by saying things like this mamata banerji is also going that way and that is what i'm concerned about as somebody because i honestly believe that no matter that that this country needs a strong opposition it definitely any democracy needs a strong opposition and uh we currently there is we currently do not have a strong opposition uh that's that's definite i think we can all agree on that even those who support the opposition even the entities of the world they keep on saying i wish we had a strong opposition which is the segue to move into the national elections so what happened i mean i guess even there 
uh, honestly, if, if, if you look at it, I don't think that purely based on performance, purely based on data, the BJP deserves this mandate. It doesn't based on it it doesn't it doesn't deserve to increase its vote share given its performance in the last 5 years however it has it has been it has been helped immensely by the fact that it has always had the far better story than anybody else it is what what narendra modi does is he takes he be, being this one figure it's not so much about the bjp as it is about modi so many of the failings of the central government have been it's the bjp which has picked up the blame but not modi so look at the state elections which happened not a long time ago the same places which throughout the bjp government absolutely outright voted for modi at the center because it doesn't matter modi has become a figure who is above the party again as i say the only person who i can think of historically in india who has been like this is indira gandhi and before that mahatma gandhi in terms of a person absolutely being above it's almost like a salman khan kind of existence where reviews the movie script story doesn't matter only thing is him that said you go to watch a movie because of him you don't even get to hear what other people are saying because everybody's shouting modi is like that i think this solidifies the legend of what narendra modi has become and it is all because he has by far the most compelling story that anybody can hope to have and what is that story the story is his humble origins the story is his lack of education the story is the fact that especially in contrast to his opposition which is full of so people say this is not a rejection of dynastic rule no of course it isn't a rejection of dynastic rule it is a rejection of rahul gandhi and the gandhi family so arrayed against him is the story of rahul gandhi and now his sister and the gandhis decided to double down uh, you know people with half a brain would decide to take a step back the gandhi decided to double down and brought in their their sister too so it is this contrast of stories that look on one hand you have this guy who is who who is still personally you have not been able to show corruption because corruption is a big deal uh there's nobody who's ever been able to and they've tried but they've never been able to even make even rafal fail the congress couldn't do it the congress couldn't do it it wasn't of the scale of bofors or 3g they tried their best with their sympathetic media it just didn't work so ultimately when people vote they vote from emotion they don't vote by looking at gdp numbers uh they vote because from a sense of from a sense of well-being from feeling that they are secure and they're being looked after and i think modi through his messaging was able to convey that the fact that he was looking after them and there was he was a person who they felt they could they could trust the country too they might not trust their state to him because their vijay rajya sindhya isn't that person so they will not vote for vijay rajya sindhya you know that they they, they know that but modi is somebody different they feel and of course many people will say this is all lies this is all a carefully created you know media image whatever it is the fact is the story exists and the story is 
becomes even more powerful when you contrast it to Rahul Gandhi. Because Rahul Gandhi, they're not just looking for positive in terms of Modi. They're looking for a person who is absolutely not Rahul Gandhi. And this is something which the Congress is unable to understand, that the Indian politics has changed. This is not the 60s and the 70s where Indira Gandhi would come down from a helicopter, just wave her hands like Michael Jackson, and people would swoon and faint and go and vote. That India is gone. The even if it is still there, this thing does not work for the Gandhi family anymore. Rahul Gandhi is a clown. The only thing that people can think of him is of him as a clown. He There, there was a video which I shared on my Facebook post. There was a guy on a train selling, uh, selling toys. And he was like, you know, doing that salesman talk. It was beautifully done, actually. And all his jokes were about how stupid Rahul Gandhi is. Okay, this is a guy in a train. Okay, he's, he's selling toys for crying out loud. He's not going elections. So why is he saying this? Because he realizes that in a train, the, this is the way in which he can catch people's attention. Because he's creating a kinship with them. He knows. He doesn't know what they're thinking. He doesn't know where they're from. But they know. He knows that when he says Rahul Gandhi is a clown, everybody will say, yeah, yeah, we agree with that. So this is important. This is this is why Congress is losing. It doesn't matter, you know, it doesn't matter nay, it doesn't matter how badly Modi government has done. It's just because they have so lost, they've so lost the war of stories. And Narendra Modi is everything that Rahul Gandhi isn't. Everything that Rahul Gandhi isn't, you know, looks-wise, you know, the way he speaks, their background everything. And they look at Rahul Gandhi, then see, hey, this is not the person we want. And then they see the exact polar opposite of him. And no wonder that BJP keeps coming back with increasingly stronger mandates. And there was another thing which I think that the opposition in general did this time, which made it so much easier for Modi. It is that they all despite the fact that they have never worked together, that they, at different points of time, tried to array themselves against Modi. Their message was, we need to remove Modi. We need to remove Modi. It doesn't matter that I consider, when, when KG World says, Congress are you know, bad, they're corrupt, they're bad people, but we need to work with them to remove Modi. So when you send, when you yourself are crafting this story, what you're telling people is that, hey, there are a, these are a group of 20 people who have fought with each other throughout their history. Okay. Yeah, Mulayam Singh Yadav, you know, their, their family and Mayawati, they have, they have defined this versus this in Uttar Pradesh. And yet they come together. All of these people, these, these, these Avengers all come together to fight against Modi and they are all compromised. Everybody knows that they're corrupt. So when that happens, rather than thinking that Modi is an existential threat to the idea of India, which is what your wire and the Hindu wants to tell you, this is for the consumption of the stand-up comedy watching crowd. Okay, this is this is what they how they want to present it to us. But to the people who actually go out and vote, when all of these people known to be corrupt and known to have fought with each other all work together to defeat this one single person, what they what they think is why? 
Why is it so important to remove this good person? It must be because he's even better than we think he is. That he is an existential threat to these corrupt people. That he's an existential threat to Lalu Yadav. He's an existential threat to Mulayam. Why is that the case? So not only is he great, the fact that all these bad people are all arrayed against him makes him greater. There must be stuff that we're not even seeing that he is doing to them. So it's not important whether he's actually doing anything. If you remember, the BJP government couldn't, under the BJP government, all the people in 3G scam, they walked free. So it's again, it's, it's something which is not backed by fact. But the thing is, the story that is created is one that really, really makes Narendra Modi go high up in the clouds. And for this, the opposition is absolutely to blame. They helped Modi to craft the better story. It's it's idiotic to just blame the Congress. I mean, blaming the Congress is, 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 is okay. I mean, asking Congress to win elections is like asking, you know, expecting uh, Suresh Raina to make 200 at Perth. Okay, it's not going to happen. You know, it's just not going to happen. It's, 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 this is not it's not a place in which he can operate. But the problem isn't just the Congress. It's been the Mahagadbandhan. It's been this repeated, repeated assault on somebody who is, who isn't considered by people outside the perfume circles of a few cities to be a bad person. You know, people think, oh, maybe he lies. Okay, maybe he does, exp- you know, exaggerate things. But who doesn't? I mean, that's because, you see, the expectations from politicians outside the cities are much lower than what they are in the cities. Demonetization isn't a big deal for them because they're used to standing in lines. People in the cities nowadays aren't. So these kinds of things, you know, Aadhaar is an assault on our privacy. Nobody really cares in India whether it is or not. Nobody cares for privacy. Okay, This is, this is purely a... <laughs> This is purely an artifact. We are the country where uh, people ask, okay, how much are you earning? That's the, yeah. the second uh, quickest yeah. question they ask. So, so, so these things are absolute non-issues. And people get mad by these non-issues and then they attack them. And what happens is they basically end up losing the story. So it, I don't think I've seen anybody, I was looking at some of the post-election analysis, I, nobody brought this thing up. And I always kept on thinking... Hey, by doing this, if I was Narendra Modi, I would be so happy that everybody is allying against me. People who have zero credibility in front of the electorate. And I have some credibility. And they're all allying against me. And all they can think of talking about is me, 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 me. That's it. Everything is about Narendra Modi. Every time they talk about... And this is exactly the same problem that the US in the US they have. And I think some of the Democrats themselves are realizing it, that their focus is to impeach Trump. They define themselves through their opposition to Trump. And every time they mention Trump, he just becomes that big. So they have to, and people here are now saying that in many places, that we need to have a narrative which is independent of Trump. That's why they're saying that Joe Biden is not going to do it because Joe Biden, when he comes out to make his presidential announcement, he makes it almost as if the Trump has changed America. It's the same kind of shit that that Ahmadmi Party and all these guys did. Trump has changed, is, is changing America. We need to strike back. We need to all unite and strike back. This does not help. This forces people who are Trump voters who are kind of disillusioned with Trump, seeing the Democrats saying this, saying, Trump must be doing something good then. 
if this guy is saying this this is the way people's minds work and again fact and data are not important it's a story and i, I the numbers show it the bjp just has the goddamn better story than any of the opposition which brings me to again the post election liberal meltdown on 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 twitter and on facebook it's it's funny and pathetic in 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 equal measure the fact that people who talk about diversity who talk about respecting the opinions of other people cannot respect the opinion of a majority of the country when they vote for the person they believe is the devil incarnate so i think that i think the logic that they would say is that we should be intolerant of fascism so that's so this is the, this is their justification so the definition is anything i don't agree with is fascism ergo i am absolutely justified in being intolerant of it uh so this is this is this is really their logic it's it's, it's hilarious because you get can't get to decide you cannot get to ass- you don't well you can but anybody can assign that label to somebody else that they don't agree with this 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 brings me to the you know the game of thrones ending where uh, where danny says i want to do good and uh, and john says but there are other people who want to do good too and i think she says they don't get to make that choice right, right. that is the problem this is the exact same thing that liberals in india and to the if some extent in the us do that they don't get to make the choice we get to make the choice we are better than them and that is not liberalism that is fascism that itself is fascism that is why john kills danny because she's a fascist because she believes she's she's a radical she this is real religious radicalism when you believe that my way is better than yours i don't care what you think you don't get to make the choice i get to make the choice for you because i'm better than you are this is exactly the core of what is driving the meltdown that i see on social media and in the and in the news now and so i've been listening i've been listening to them and reading all this stuff in washington post and this is it starts off with this idealization of the idea of india okay that you know in india we are it's not that we are against religion but we are against religious identities okay it's not exactly true amartya sen and their ilk haven't been against in identities they have been against certain identities they have been against identities which they consider to be majoritarian now the problem with this is that nobody individually ever thinks of themselves as a majority nobody ever does that's the that's the conundrum everybody in this world is in a minority of one always because there are there, there can be gazillion number of parameters on which an individual can become a minority legitimately become a minority and it is not just the problem with liberals and i'm using inverted quotes is that they aren't against identities i personally am against i let me make myself clear i personally think that identities are a bad thing but i also recognize that they are inevitable that you cannot deprecate certain identities and glory and glorify certain other identities either identities are all bad or they're all good i recognize the fact that as human beings we cannot be political without understanding identities in a previous podcast i talked about the greek idea of thumos which is that our actions our notion of happiness isn't just does just doesn't lie this is again an ancient greek concept just doesn't lie in our pursuit of happiness 
It is not measured by is Modi ji giving me a job or not? Is Modi ji give me 15 lakhs in my account or not? This is not what drives our politics. Our politics is driven by an identity which we believe is greater than ourselves. And so what is this greater than ourselves? It is people with whom we share something, whether it be common values, whether it be a geographical identity of a nation. It is that. And what the BJP has tried to do is it has tried to use the nation as a surrogate for their identity. So they, people say they're, it's a Hindu identity. What the BJP is doing, that's, again, is their, their rhetorical device is that when they are using Hinduism, Hindutva is a sense of being Indian. Now, people will say, no, that I, 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 there are lots of people in India who aren't Hindus. So I get it. I agree. That's true. However, you cannot, whatever, whatever your opinion be on that, the thing is that everybody plays identity politics. Politics cannot be played without identities. Okay. A person, no politician will come to you and you hold an Excel sheet and say, okay, in 2014, this was what I was making. In 2019, this is what, what will you do for me in the next year? Okay. What will you do for me in five years? Will my income go up? Nobody does that. People don't vote based on what a party does for them. I mean, we like to think of it in those terms, but it it's much more amorphous than that. It is how the party makes them feel about their identity, okay? How they make them feel. And unfortunately, what has happened is that the Congress has absolutely lost uh, that battle on the notion of identities because they have, whether, I mean, uh, a Congress supporter can say this is this is factually incorrect and that the Congress has never done anything like this. But the fact is they themselves know that it was the fact that was the why Robert Vadra was going to temple, Priyanka Gandhi was going to temple, uh, Rahul Gandhi was going to temple because they wanted to show that we are, we, re- we recognize and we respect the Hindu identity. But the fact is they, whether they do or not is another thing, but the story is that they don't. And I think, I think the example of that is we're talking a lot about Sadhvi Pragya Thakur being elected. And I personally think that it is terrible, um, especially just for Sadhvi Pragya Thakur. But I also acknowledge, so this is where I, this is where I, I diverge from NDTV and, and, and their ilk, is that the person who's, who she beat is not much better. He's true. He's not a terrorist. That is absolutely true. Or he's not been accused of being a terrorist. But he's accused, he's not accused, he's been photographed opening and endorsing a book which says that 2611 was an RSS conspiracy. So if that guy, if if that is the way the Congress had wanted to, if this is the message they have given to an, an identity inside India, pretty significant identity, guess what? There will come a person who will be exactly opposite to that. It's even perhaps worse. And that's exactly what happens to him. So I'm not sure if you notice Arnab. So with the narrative here has never, I've not seen a single tweet or a single article said that uh, Bhopal chose uh, uh, her over, uh, over uh, Digvijay Singh. Almost that, it's like everyone says they chose her over, over Atishi. They will say they chose her over Atishi Marilena. They will not How does that even work? Competing against. 
So she was competing. It was an extreme. This was a place where identity politics had gone to an extreme. Yes, the BJP fielded somebody they shouldn't have fielded. But the Congress was also fielding a person who they shouldn't have fielded. And the reason why she won, the reason why she won was that she was able. If you're going to go identity, if you are going to go identity, then given the demographics of the place, Sadhvi Pragya will always win. This is not an indictment of India as a country or Hinduism as a religion, which is what is it? I'm ashamed to be a Hindu. I'm ashamed to be an Indian. No, you should have been ashamed when, when, when Congress made Digvijay Singh a candidate there, when Congress had him, not only had him as a member, but as the principal confidant of their prince. This is the man who actually is his confidant. He is the Jorah Mormont to Danny the Gandhi. Okay. So you cannot then say, why is the other side true? I'll again say, I absolutely, absolutely condemn the fact that whatever it is, she's still a terror accused. And a terror accused, given what she's been accused of, should not be running under a BJP ticket. But unfortunately, politics doesn't work. And this is my message to many liberals is that you and I, we agree to that. We both agree that we will, I would not vote for Sadhvi Prakya. You agree you will not vote for Sadhvi Prakya. That's fine. But where you and I disagree is that I won't, I also understand why people would vote for Sadhvi Prakya. This is a democracy. And the fact that I am a citizen of a democracy doesn't mean that I have to agree with your voting choices, but it's contingent upon me to at least try to understand rather than vilify you for it. And this is understandable because of the person that she was arrayed against. She wasn't arrayed against Atishi Marlena. Okay, this was this is not the choice that people had there. I know we cannot take, and I keep on saying you cannot take identity out of politics, and you also cannot make a certain identity. You cannot say that you cannot play Hindu politics, but you can play Muslim politics. You cannot say that. I mean, nobody says that. They always say we are against any kind of communalization, but we know that they are. There was a statement by uh, MIM uh, OIC where he said there is absolutely no concept of a Muslim vote bank, but there is a Hindu vote bank. There always was. There always Obviously, I mean, he's MIM. His, his friggin' party is called MIM, okay? Exactly. Yeah, vote bank. But I decided to call myself MIM. So, of course, he's... he's but 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 the thing is that the, the whole political game, the whole divide and rule thing has come because politicians, irrespective of their political party, realized right after independence that voting only happens when it's, you can get that emotional connect with your voter only when you make that person feel a part of a persecuted minority. That's the only way it works. And for and they vote in a block. The thing is that the Congress never, never looked upon Hindus as a voting block. They were always split into castes. They were always split and it worked for them. It worked for them fine. Till now, till for the last few years when they've totally lost the plot. Is they've not lost the plot because suddenly India has changed. The India has become intolerant. India is the same India that has always been. Previously, these divisions where there was just nobody who was who had created the strategy to appeal to the large Hindu vote bank. The BJP has. They've gotten it down pat, and that's why they're winning, 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 winning. To quote Trump, they're getting tired of winning. 
because they have cracked that code. And it's the BJP which has cracked the code. It is not India which has changed. That is very important for people to understand. What you see before you today is not a fundamental right-wingization of India or a fundamental intolerization of India that, oh, India was this very, very tolerant place and suddenly it became intolerant. No, cow violence has always been there. You were just not counting it as cow violence. That has always been there because in the villages, in the backwaters, a cow is valuable both as an economic instrument because it's perhaps one of the most valuable things that you own, which is very easily stealable, and also because of the religious significance of the cow. This is also true. So this is not new. I personally know that cow violence has been a part of, in, of Bengal rural politics, and Bengal is not North India in that sense. Always has been. So these things have happened before. It's that now you are looking at it in the, that respect. But whenever I read this, this, this narrative that India has become terrible, that India has become fascist, when the India, it means basically Hindus, because they're the guys who presume in this very simplistic model are the people who voted for BJP. It's not as simple as that. The reason why they voted for BJP wasn't because that there is a massive Hindutva project which is going on. It is because two things. First of all, Modi has had the better story. And secondly is that that they have felt that they have not been respected by the opposition, by the Congress, by Mamata Banerjee. Again, it's a, it's a mix of different things. Now, again, you can say that what, what did the Congress do? Well, there's a lot of things that the Congress did. You know, having somebody like Digvijay Singh, why did Digvijay Singh do that? Digvijay Singh was trying to appeal to someone, right? I mean, he didn't, he's not, he's, he's, if, he's a smart guy. So he, he was doing it for a particular reason. And the Congress has benefited from that. They have been a predominant party because they have been able to create those identities and have been able to plug into it. Now somebody has outdone them at their own game, not with the same units that they were playing with, but with different units. And now they cannot cry foul. Now the crypto co co Congresses in the media can't suddenly start crying foul. They were not. They had no problems with the game as long as they they were playing it, and as long as they were playing it successfully. And right now, their problem, again, I don't think that, that the opposition is decimated or that India has become a right-wing country. It won't take long for the centrist forces or for Congress also to come back. It won't take long. All that they need to do is they first need to jettison the Gandhi family. That is the first thing they need to do. Because that story is not working. That story makes everybody look better than they are. But today itself, today, when Rahul Gandhi, when they went to that farce of Rahul Gandhi resigning and they are rejecting the res resignation and Chidambaram saying that people will commit suicide if Rahul Gandhi stepped down. Who was he talking about? BJP people? Are they, they <laughs> suicide? Yes. Or suicide from what? Laughter? I mean, what, what is he talking? Death by laughter? I mean, what is he talking about? The reason that they do it is because the Congress for every second rung leader in 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 the congress party they are worried that if the if the gandhi family goes their source of getting funds goes that is their worry they're smart people they know that the gandhi family is is an albatross around their neck politically but yet yet they cannot jettison them they cannot even try for once and and they've had great success pv narasimha did that for a while 
and he, be, he was the best prime minister India ever had. So it's not that they don't have the people. They have the people. They still have a brand. And they're, they're losing it every time. They're, they're shaving off about half of it every election. But they still have something because they started with something huge. That's why. But the BJP, they've, they've gotten the game correct. They have the guy at the helm who has the greatest story. They know. They know how to create the thumos, the sense of belonging, whether it be through nationalism, whether it be through anti-Pakistanism. They have been able to create this. They have been able to create this feeling. And Congress just hasn't been able to do it. And neither has Mamata Banerjee, neither has Mulayam Singh Yadav or Akhilesh, neither has Mamayawati. And, 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 and neither, for that matter, has Kejriwal. They have not been able to do this. Their only message has been, Modi ko nikalo, Modi ko nikalo, Modi ko nikalo. You cannot win an election based on negativity. And that to target it at one person who actually has a lot of love for him. You may not like that, but people genuinely love him. You cannot win an election on just this one negative messaging. There was nothing that the Congress and the Mahagat Bandhan were offering. You can say there was nothing the BJP was offering either. That's true. But at least they were offering a great story. And none of these guys even had that. Okay, so let's... Okay, so final thing for today is the Game of Thrones finale. And I was I was actually working on a, a big blog post on this. Uh, and then, of course, other things came in and I never finished it. So for me, again... I totally understand the the hate on the Game of Thrones season eight. I think I understand, and we've discussed this before. So I don't know. I'm going to go over it in great detail, but they wanted people wanted certain resolutions. They wanted a Cersei versus Danny face off. They wanted all of these very comforting things that of people, whenever they're invested in a story, they kind of imagine that hey, this is the way the thing should end, and they got none of it. And that's what really the disappointment comes from. And I understand, but again, I've, as I've said before, Game of Thrones was never about that. It was never about giving uh, convenient and the things that you desire. I mean, we are okay with our favorite characters dying. That's not the thing that is a dying, which is the problem. It's the fact that people need closure, that stories need closure. And in real life, closure doesn't happen. And you know, fights or, or, or rivalries don't really come out. People don't always get revenge. Or as as uh, as uh, Arya did right before taking the revenge, she just decides, you know what, I perhaps I should live. And she just walks away from it. So with respect to the last episode, what I really liked about the last episode was I really liked the ambiguity of it. So I don't know how you want to interpret the, the 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 end episode and what actually happens. But for me, there are two interpretations of it. And one interpretation of it is that Sansa is the villain. I mean, villain is in, uh, I won't use the word villain, but she plays... Master the, manipulator. She, she, so, so look at the way the whole thing ends at the end. So... For some reason, after John kills Danny, it is presented as if Grey Worm will kill anyone if if will will not accept John being allowed to go free. It's not made clear as to why that is the case, given that he's leaving. Why would it matter? Why can't John have children? 
Who decided that? Why does John have to go to the wall? Again, I wish Game of Thrones had perhaps it's it's okay to have a dual-ended story, but it's also you have to give some hints. And I think they've they dropped the ball on that. So for me, it's 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 worth thinking of as to why did that happen? And the only person who that benefits, there's only one person that benefits from that, and that's Sansa. Because think of it. At the end of Game of Thrones, Sansa is the queen in the north. Her brother, who who is essentially, nobody knows what he's thinking of, is the king of the six kingdoms. His hand is her is, is her ex-husband who who at least her ex-husband has a lot of feeling for her. That's evident in the episode before that. So she, he is easy to manipulate for her. And remember when they had this conversation, that, that kind of counsel, uh, when Ed Muir stands up, she kind of says, okay, now. Uh, uncle, sit down. Uncle, uncle. And then when, uh, Sam, when Samuel brings up the notion of democracy, she laughs. She's the person who basically laughs and like what 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 the f is this? And then all of them pick up on that and say, "Well, can a, are your horses going to vote then?" So she laughs because this is the last thing that she wants. She does not want democracy or rule of the people. She doesn't want anything close to justice. She just wants to rule herself. So she she what she does is she gets the kingdom. She gets the she gets the six kingdoms also by proxy. And this is the master stroke. She sends John to the north to control the wildlings. She knows John will never come and fight her. So she sends John to the north because the wall is broken and the wildlings can come and attack them. So she makes sure that she will never get attacked from the north and that the south is ruled by her people. So that's the way it ends. And this is really the the, the little finger solution to it all. And one of the themes that you see in the Game of Thrones is how characters are influenced by their mentors. So it's in, in the penultimate episode, when uh, yes, when yes. Sansa is, tells that to Hound, and she kind of, she she herself becomes somewhat like Hound, as in a person who just wanders about everywhere. Okay, can't stay at one place. So she is she is a, a, a sum total, just like we as human beings are. We imbibe these influences from people who not necessarily we respect, but people who we with whom we spend a lot of time. So in a way, we imbibe some of their characteristics. And every one of them does, actually. And this is really how good characters are written. And the characters are just, 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 they just don't just go from one point to another. They go from one point to another and they change based on not only the events, but also on the interactions that they have with people. And we find that being done excellently with Sansa. And we find that being done, no, not with Arya. And then we done it being done to Sansa because she basically does the little finger solution that she doesn't engage in violence, but she gets exactly, she looks at the way things have worked out and she finds a solution, which is the best for her. That ultimately, no matter what happens, she will always get the solution, which is best for her. And that's exactly what happens to her. So that is one interpretation, which I like. Because I think this ties together pretty much everything that happens. And then there's the other thing is that Bran is the villain. Not really Bran, but the, not villain, but the person who wants to take over. And it's not Bran, it's really the three-eyed, three-eyed raven who's inside Bran. And that basically he sees this whole thing happening. And so he manipulates, it's not also clear as to how much he sees the future or how he much he manipulates the future to basically become the ruler. 
and it's not really Bran. I mean, it's never really Bran the villain, but it's or, or Bran who manipulates it all. But it's the three-eyed raven. Again, I wouldn't like to think he's a three-eyed raven because I just don't care for the three-eyed raven because I've you know, seen him in like half an episode. But for me, Sansa, because of the way she starts out, in you know, I think that that makes this an extremely interesting character arc. That she rules. No, and if you remember another thing, that there is another influence that Sansa has, along with Littlefinger, and that Cersei herself is an influence on her. So she spent a lot of time with Cersei. That's a Cersei solution too. So Cersei is also a very smart politician. So what she does at the end is the smartest solution for her. Of course, it destroys John. It destroys a lot of other things. It destroys democracy. But you know, she's not she's not concerned about that at all. So I felt it was a, I felt it was a brilliant brilliant ending, and uh, I was t- saying this at work, and somebody says you're overanalyzing. They they didn't do any of that. This is this was just crazy bad writing, and you just kind of making a story on top of it, which sounds good, but it's not actually true because they didn't they didn't think on these lines. This is but again, it's ultimately a story when we're talking about the power of stories. But by the way, Vikram, you saw that. You know, Tyrion says, <laughs> "Yes, yes, <laughs> exactly." So, yeah. So it's ultimately a story. Is you know, a great story isn't just the story that you listen to. It's how you interpret the story. The real story is not just the story you're listening or the way I'm saying it, but the way you're interpreting. And for me, at least, this is the story of Game of Thrones. Whether whether this is what D and D meant, I don't know. Perhaps I'll never know. Perhaps they're going to do a documentary, and I'm going to find out that this was absolutely not what they were doing. But the way I interpreted the story, this is the how it ended, and I absolutely loved that. I just loved the fact that Sansa wins at the end like this, and I'm so happy that John doesn't because I never liked him, and I felt that you know he was he was this always this tragic guy all the time, and that again one thing that I would like to mention when going forward, if you see that the influence that John has is of Ned Stark. so he he takes the ned stark way out for everything and that's exactly what happens to him at the end that ned stark got killed he effectively gets killed in the sense that he goes out into exile in, in into this cold cold inhospitable place but he suffers from the exact same this righteousness uh, and this inability to look at reality that ned stark also had i mean the entire the terrible things that happened to his family you would think if you look at it is because he was an idiot many times he was a good person too good a person to be in that context and remember there was a time when he could have killed danny he basically left his hand because he didn't want to kill dan he there was a time in which he could have thrown sarsay into jail he didn't he said no no their kids and stuff let them go and then they come and basically chop his head off so the john also suffers from the exact same problem except that at that danny stage is the first time he takes a concrete decision at that point normally he is very dif- he finds it difficult to take a decision so i never felt he was king material he's a lead i mean people gravitate towards him but that doesn't necessarily make him a good he's a good person and people like him but that doesn't make him a good leader Sansa is an Hazare types. Yes, yeah, so Sansa is a much better leader in that respect. Is that she can, she she can be morally malleable, but she knows what to do in order to make her subjects stay safe. I mean, she knows what to do, and that can be a terrible thing, but she's perfectly fine in doing it. And that she's a much better leader than her dad was, 
or that John was. John is. So that's it for this episode. Okay, that's a wrap. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And uh, if you like this podcast, do me a favor, do us a favor, and recommend this podcast to other people who you think might enjoy it. Uh, throw out a link to the podcast in WhatsApp groups. We'll have the link, of course, in uh, on Twitter. Mention it during a conversation or mention it during a heated debate at the dinner table. At the risk of sounding like an Amway guy, I try to get, uh, let's say, five people to listen and subscribe to this. And uh, please support this podcast in any way you can. You can send in your comments to 96525-78833. That's 96525-78833 on WhatsApp. Remember to add a plus 91, which is the country code for India, if you are outside. And uh, you can also email us at appodcast at talkingstuff.net. So Arnab, as usual, any uh, parting words of wisdom? No, I guess this is episode number 42. The answer for everything is... <laughs> I, I, I wanted to have that in my intro, but I was not sure if uh, we have too many hitchhiker uh, fans here. Yeah, answer to life, universe and everything. Is is 42. So very significant episode. Again, uh, please let me know how you like the episode. Please do write in, send your emails or, you know you know, message over WhatsApp. And uh, if you have any other questions that you would like to be answered, that you would like me to answer on this show, then please write them and we'll perhaps do another episode where we will collect all the questions and, 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 and do all questions in one episode like we did, I think, in two episodes. Yeah, two or three episodes before, yeah. Okay. So until uh, next time, take care and uh, keep talking. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.